welcome to the most excellent 80s movies podcast. It's the podcast that's on a mission from God to watch through the 80s movies we think we love, love to hate, have to revisit, or have possibly never seen before. Uh, and we're looking at them with 2019 eyes to see what we think about them now. We are watching today Blues Brothers, a movie from 1980. And I warn you now, the trailer is four and a half minutes long. <laughs> can we play it at double speed? I don't know. Can I? Do I know how? Do you know how? <laughs> Probably not. Okay. You better get bright, pal. We got a show to do. Then we got to figure out some way to collect that gate money. Get it to the Cook County Assessor's Office as soon as they open in the morning. Joliet, Jake, and Elwood Blues. like a whole nother minute i don't we don't that's the whole movie <laughs> who's making trailers in 1980 i'm fairly certain it was just a dan Aykroyd trailer since he does everything way too long yeah that's true the, this movie itself is like two and a half hours long 
two and a half of the best hours of American movies. Yes. Uh-huh. So that voice you're hearing is our guest for today, uh, comedian and improviser Derek Tesson. Hello. Hello. It's your fault I saw this movie. Uh, you love <laughs> two-thirds of this That's movie. That's true. Um, and of course, with us, as always, is Nathan Blackwell, filmmaker. Hello, everybody. And I'm Chrissy, an improviser as well. Uh, we saw Blues Brothers. Um, Nathan, why don't you tell us your history with this movie? So I, this is, this is one of the formative comedic films of my, um, I guess, my, my filmic uh, comedic sense of humor. Um, that surprises me. Yeah, well, it because it was just so outlandish, and it was just I I feel like so like movies like Pee Wee's Big Adventure, yeah, um, The Three Amigos yeah. to a lesser extent, Big Trouble in Little China just mm-hmm. had kind of this giant world. Um, uh, yeah, it, there's just something about it that was just so epic and almost like. Um, a slightly more musical ver- American version of Monty Python to a certain degree, you know? It was just insane, yeah. but in such a, a, you know, great, amazing way. So, I'm, okay. I'm pro Blues Brothers. Okay, that's cool. I mean, I, I could definitely see the fingerprints of those other movies mm-hmm. in your films and your sensibility and your humor, I guess I'm missing where the Blues Brothers comes in. It was, I would say, you know, we've got different phases in our creative lives. That's true. You know, um, and there was a time where a lot of the scripts and, and stuff I was writing definitely was aped. three hours long. <laughs> inspired by, but without the music, um, mm-hmm. inspired by some of the um, the different overlapping characters mm-hmm. and then just kind of like the escalation of the comedy um, and then ultimately, I mean, this this is this was more of a movie I connected with more in my teens and twenties. Okay, and it's, it's actually been maybe about ten years since I've seen it. So I would say it was formative. It's not necessarily one that I go to all the time now, mm-hmm. but it was definitely dur- uh, during a a, um, a certain time in my life, but a pretty broad region. And then also re- rewatching it, I really enjoyed it. Cool, 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 cool. So. I hear, I hear what you're saying about like the the weaving of the characters that just pop up every now and again, and how yeah. things like slowly heighten and build throughout the movie. So, okay, I'll give it to you. Uh, and Derek, what was your? When did you see this? This is your favorite movie. This is my favorite movie. Um, I have been, I think, five years old when I first saw the Blues Brothers, and. I had never seen the uncensored version of Blues Brothers up until I was like 20 years old, maybe 19 years old. Okay. Um, because I watched it. My dad ignored the FBI warnings saying mm-hmm. not to record it. So off the USA network, we had a VHS that my dad had recorded this movie. So uh, I was very surprised. I was on a date with a Mormon girl. We were at the Blockbuster. And I'm um, like, let's watch Blues Brothers. It's the greatest movie ever. I love it. And I'm like, it's rated R? What? How can this be? There's nothing wrong with the Blues Brothers. Uh, and then uh, I always wondered why the Penguin, the nun, was beating the Blues Brothers uh, throughout uh, when they were having that meeting. Uh-huh. And 
I didn't realize it's because they were cussing up a storm while they were in that meeting mm-hmm. with Luke. I'm like, why is she beating these two people? They're just sitting there and saying nothing wrong right now. So, um, but it's been a huge influence on music for me. I grew up listening to blues music. It's something that like, it's, it's like one of the bonding things that me and my dad had as well. So it's just been a huge part of my life uh, and just my manic energy whenever I perform. Uh, mm-hmm. It was very I much based off of, of John Belushi, Chris Farley. I didn't realize how much cocaine was involved. I've been trying to do that sober, uh, <laughs> and it's exhausting. So. Yeah, we were reading trivia uh, after the movie, and, and one of the items was that cocaine was like part of the budget. They yeah, it was like, literally part of the budget. We're going to need cocaine. And then even then, John Landis had to be like, would you cool it, John Belushi? <laughs> like, I'm giving you enough cocaine. Um, okay, so I will tell the story of uh, Derek forcing me to watch this movie because I had never seen it before, and like just what I had seen of it didn't. There was nothing that appealed to me, right? Two sort of middle-aged guys in sunglasses. Oh yeah, on the surface, dancing. like the original source material. Mm-hmm. There's you know, so it, it was a Saturday night. Not even a sketch. It was more like. You a know, musical mu- number. Yeah, and so there was, in terms of like the original source material, there was so little that existed there, and they just poured in everything that they wanted to do. Yeah. Right, and so I was just kind of like, why, why would I watch this or choose this to be something that we watch? And when we started the podcast, Derek was like, let's do I want to do Blues Brothers. Have me on as a guest, and we'll do Blues Brothers. And I kept being like, totally will. I don't want to watch that, so... <laughs> Someday. Uh, but we actually went to an Alamo Draft House uh, beer brunch. Yes. Is that what it was called? Beer dinner. It was, it was a loose time frame. <laughs> it was a loose time frame beer food event. Yes. Uh, but so you watched the movie and then it was paired with uh, like a three course meal and four beers? Yep, a welcome beer and a beer with every course. It was wonderful. It wasn't a full beer with every course. It was a full beer and then a half beer every course. And then a half beer. Um, But that was really nice. And so I was like, yeah, let's go watch the Blues Brothers. And I definitely did love two-thirds of it. Yeah. I can tell you exactly when you stopped loving this film. Uh, And I think I need to apologize to you right now because exactly when you stopped loving this film is exactly like I tricked you into watching it. Because I'm like, (laughs) Carrie Fisher's in this film Uh and she fires upon Jake and Elwood Blues with rocket launchers. Like she's attacking Dan Aykroyd. You'll Mm -hmm. love it. I did love it. And then I knew that going in where I'm like, Chrissy's going to really hate this one part. Uh Uh-huh. And that's exactly when I saw your face drop from this majesty of like, oh, I'm having fun to like, oh, I really hate this film now. <laughs> yep. And it was the exact moment when uh, he like reseduces her and then drops her on the ground. <sighs> there's probably... The 80s did not love women. Would you say there's like seven musical numbers? Minimum. Maybe. Minimum? And I, like... I, they're all really like that's why the movie is long because there's yeah. a, a full James Brown song, an entire Aretha Franklin number. Like, 
you know, Ray Charles. We had a Cab Calloway song. Mm-hmm. There's, uh, so there's those four, and then there was just Rawhide. Uh, the theme from Rawhide, <laughs> one and a half times, which yeah. is great. Stand by your man. Oh, that's mm-hmm. wonderful. Uh, and then uh, just like the the Blues Brothers concert too, where they do "Give Me Some Love" and they do Jailhouse Rock at the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love this film, guys. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so here's basically what happens in the movie: John Belushi gets out of jail. Yes, Jake Blues gets out of jail. Why was he in jail? Uh, he was, uh, according to what he says... Which partway, could be bullshit. Yeah, yeah, it could be bullshit when he's telling the band, like, hey, I got locked up because I was knocking off a gas station to pay your hotel bill or something like that, uh, which could be completely fabricated. It didn't seem like... That didn't seem like the truth to me. So, yeah. I mean, it seemed like he was lying to them to manipulate them. Yeah. But... But I, it was some know. sort of robbery because throughout the film they talk about how many robberies they ended up doing yeah. um, as the most out of place looking people <laughs> in any location they could possibly exist. Yeah. So they get out, they go to visit a nun who raised them at an orphanage. She tells them that they need a certain amount of money by a certain amount of time in order to keep the orphanage open. Mm-hmm. Am I getting it right so far? $5,000 to the county tax, tax assessor, yes. Yeah. That's back, not very much money. <laughs> it, 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 5,080s dollars, yeah. which I have no idea. It's like 10 million U.S. dollars now. Yeah. So they decide that what they need to do is put the band back together. Yeah. So so it's from like a screenwriting standpoint. Mm-hmm. So the the whole kind of like thrust is put upon them. You know, we we need money to save the orphanage, and and like a lesser movie Which would, I love would go like, premise. yeah, a lesser movie would well, okay, we got to do this, mm-hmm. but instead, they kind of waffle a bit, and it's not until about twenty minutes in the movie that um, Jake's desire to get the band back together kind of comes in with because what we're doing is we're building motivation for them to go on this journey for Mm -hmm. people who are kind of like miscreants to actually go and try to do and save the church like what's the motivation that's going to push us through the rest of the movie and the thing that kind of really gets him going is i still don't know but then he has kind of literally divine intervention Mm -hmm. in church and like a beam of light comes down on him and he he has the idea we can get the band back together, yeah. and that's really his motivation. But it's it's all part of saving then saving the church. Mm-hmm. I love that as a premise. It's a jumping off point for a movie. We yeah. need a, we need five thousand dollars in eleven days in order to save an orphanage. Yeah, yeah, I'm in for that, and I love I love a putting the band together chunk of movie, mm-hmm. right? Whether it's via montage or like. <laughs> An hour and a half of movie, which is kind of what this one is. I like that. I like meeting the different personalities. You know, I think the Muppets do it all the time where they're like, oh, yes, that little chapter was funny, wasn't it? But wait till we go get this guy. And that's sort of what happens for the huge chunk of the movie. Yeah. Oh, you'll never get this guy. He's over there. Mr. Fantastic got a straight job. He's the head maitre d' at this restaurant. Yeah. So they go to the restaurant and behave like complete... Ass jacks. That's not a word. Ass jacks. Ass hats. Ass jacks is when you uh, throw down the ball, then you try to grab as many asses as possible. <laughs> Forzies is difficult. <laughs> um, yeah, they just like are completely awful. And it's, the movie tries to make up for it by making the people in the restaurant even worse. 
Yeah, there, it's a, I mean, they're going to a French restaurant where the soup costs 10 fucking dollars, mm-hmm. so, uh, which, I don't, is that a lot of money for soup? Back for in soup? the 80s. For soup, absolutely. I'm, I still think it's a lot of money. I hang soup. out with hipsters. That's That seems like average soup price for the group I hang out with. For an artisanal. <laughs> for artisanal soup. Yeah. Um... Soup was one of the menu items. We got the $10 soup, right? And yeah. it was like, it was a cold, like a goulash. That's not the right word. Uh, oh, man. What's that Russian? What's that Russian soup? Borscht. Gazpacho. 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 I think it was technically a gazpacho. Gazpacho. What's had... a goulash? Is that like a prison? That's a no, gulag. No. <laughs> What's a goulash? It's, a little, it's got a little more stuff going on. Okay. Than a soup? Yeah. Uh, it was well, really it's a good. soup, but it's got more. Yeah, it was a cold soup. It had uh, shrimp in it, and mm-hmm. it had uh, dry white toast. It had as many references as possible in that soup. Okay, answer but me no this question. fried chickens. Why? Fried chicken was the lunch. Okay. Yes. It was the, it was the um, main portion of the meal. But why do they order such weird-ass food? Like... Um, throughout the movie, you see uh, Elwood like randomly, like the beginning when he, uh, John Belushi goes to his apartment, mm-hmm. he's making toast for himself. Uh, you see him randomly packing toast into his jacket at one point. Uh, he just likes dry white bread, apparently. I don't know what the whole thing is, but apparently it's like a signature order because that's how Matt Guitar Murphy knew that the Blues Brothers were outside. So Because uh, they ordered dry white toast and five fried chickens. And then he three. orders... Three fried chickens? Five shrimp cocktails? There's five shrimp cocktails uh, and their most expensive bottle of champagne at the restaurant. Mm-hmm. Um, which, <laughs> I just love the throwing of shrimp to each other, too. That was yeah. a, a so fun good. moment. Mm-hmm. Look, the comedy is like, you know, the comedy on this, so directed by John Landis, mm-hmm. is so on point, I feel. Like, just the timing and the feel of it, um, that's that's really what I have responded to, you know? The um, and also the 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 fun thing about this movie is that it it just escalates like it starts yeah. off very like realistic and quiet and like the prison yards and just like the the early morning and 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 the love letter to Chicago that this whole movie is you know but it starts off slow and then by the time you're about a half hour in. Mm-hmm. The movie lets you know what kind of ride you're in for with, like, the mall chase. Is that halfway through? Oh, no, my God. No, it's, no, it's a half good. hour, half hour yeah. in. Oh, okay. Which, the mall chase, this movie has one of the best car chase scenes, which is the mall chase. Uh, later on in the film, uh, I used to love and now kind of got exhausted by the second car chase yeah. as I was watching it for, you know, as an adult Probably my favorite part of the movie when I was younger with how many cop cars get crashed in this film. Yeah. That second car chase, I'm like, oh my God, okay, it's yeah, done. It, it's just it's so... It's done at this point. Yeah, it's so... I may get, like, uh, attacked for saying that by hardcore Blues <laughs> Brothers fans. They're going to be like, that car chase with all the cop cars is the best thing ever. It's not, though. Like, it really is numbing, you know? It's... it's. I'm all for... Anything worth doing is worth overdoing. And, like, you know, if you overdo it, it goes back around the circle and comes back to good. But then they took it right back around the circle for another trip. Um, it, and it was, like, a record, right, for most cars crashed? Yeah. For a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, like over 100. Yeah, but I agree with you. I was, like, looking at my watch during the, <laughs> during the, the million car crash. Uh, but I did like the, the, the car chase through the mall. Yeah. And so I, I, at this point in the movie, we've had, like, fun, weird comedic bits and things like that. But... They they basically decide to evade 
the cops who mm-hmm. they're they they're getting pulled over from and they just decide to take a turn right into the mall and so the the, the car chase is literally driving through the mall through the middle of a mall yeah and i i love they're like one bit that i did think was funny when they're like a lot of space in this mall yeah it's a really nice mall because they're plowing through it people are leaping out of the way oh there's a pier one imports over here yeah. <laughs> that that was funny but I had a hard time picking out other like truly funny moments of the movie. I thought all the Carrie Fisher bits were very funny, but it's like the way the humor is played is it's really downplayed. There's not yeah, a lot of like it's underplayed yeah. bits, yeah, mm-hmm. in a very like almost more seventies than eighties. It was only a year ago from this movie. <laughs> well, that's what I mean. But I would I would like if you ask me like when is this movie from? I would probably say seventies before I said eighties. They shot it in the 70s. Yeah. So that's, maybe that's why. Um, yeah. Like, I mean, the rest of the movie just sort of washed over me. Like, they, they play in a country bar. Bob's Country Bunker. Yeah. Where they have both kinds of music, country and western. Yes. That's so oh, good. And so with it, I did like this bit, too, where, like, everywhere they go, they piss off some group of people who then are going to chase them throughout the rest of the movie. So they piss off mm-hmm. uh, the country and western band that has, like, 16 people in it. Uh, they piss off the Nazis. Yeah, the Illinois Nazis. <laughs> Illinois Nazis. And just, like, as they travel along, all these groups of people are, like, hating them and chasing them down and i do like the i like putting the band together i like the friends we make along the way <laughs> this really is kind of a live action muppet movie it is it is it's a 1980 <laughs> cocaine muppet movie <laughs> what if the muppets were people and they were full of white drugs like right white powder drugs um so I guess I guess I liked it more than i thought i did uh and then they have a big concert and they do save the day and then they have a giant car chase where, like, everyone is chasing them. Uh, and there's just a, a whole lot of exploding. And you actually went to, uh, when you left, there's a part, is right after the concert, where mm-hmm. everything goes really fast for the rest of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, the, the stuff's pretty decently paced out throughout. Uh, like, each scene has enough good time for it, especially, like, the, the big musical numbers with all the big names. Um, but then after they do their concert, Chrissy had just excused herself because we were... I mean, I had had four beers. Four beers in a two-hour <laughs> two time hour frame. Um, she left, and then she came back, and uh, they had just... like It was just that Carrie Fisher scene, so I'm like, so you missed what happened before this. So they have the money in order to go uh, pay the, the tax bill. Do you know how they did that? She's like, no. I'm like... Well, she's like, I imagine it's from the door money. I'm like, nope, they got a record deal. <laughs> and she's like, what? Wait, what? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, they uh, they got a record deal. Uh, they the, Someone just saw them as they went out the back midway through their concerts. Like, hey, I want to record you guys. Oh, well, we need money. Okay, here's $10,000. Give 5000 to the orphanage. Give the rest of the band. Do 1200 to raise music exchange. Is there a way out of here? Yeah, there's. A, I used to be a bouncer at this venue, and there's a service tunnel that goes uh, behind your drummer's uh, riser stand. Okay, and then... And it's just like it's just that pace for the remainder of the film. Yeah, at that point, it's driving at 100 miles per hour. Yes, literally. So if the movie ended on the concert, it would be like the greatest movie of all time. It would be like the end of UHF. Like we saved, we uh, saved the orphans. Right? So other than that, it ends you know 25 minutes later. So it's just the greatest movie to Derek of all time. Right. So. <laughs> 
Um, so upon rewatching it, did you find that it lived up to your hopes and dreams and expectations and enjoyments? I still love this film because I love the music in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, even just because my whole philosophy is if you don't sound good, at least be entertaining. Oh, right. Uh, and like, uh, I would say that is the Blues Brothers yeah. motto as well. Yeah. Um, so I just love, like, I love the John Belushi energy, which I've always loved. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, it's just it's just the part that I loved as a child, the th- parts that I remember loving as a child. I don't love so much anymore, like the excessive car chases. <laughs> I did still chuckle at the salon name Curl Up and Die uh, that Carrie Fisher was <laughs> reading through her uh, her um, flamethrower manual for. So yeah. it's it's still a good movie to me. I still love it, and I'll still force it upon many a people to come. All right. And, and for you, Nathan? Yeah, I, I definitely enjoyed revisiting the Blues Brothers. Um, it, it definitely got a little long, and there were some parts that... I you know that it were fine for me before and not quite as fine like maybe the ideal version is like trimming out like 15 minutes of the movie but I mean you can say that about a lot of movies you can say that about a lot of movies we should say that about a lot of right. movies and that comes down to a lot of personal taste but yeah. no I I feel like there's so many classic comedic bits in in this movie I mean, so just even like run through them for me. Okay, so for I would say in terms of the ones that have like reverberated into other mm-hmm. stuff, mm-hmm. I think the the country bunker with the the chicken wire, like I see that reference. But the biggest one is the the elevator scene where they're just waiting and they're it's the long elevator and there's the girl from Ipanema that's playing. Like I've literally seen that in like ten other movies since then, and they're all referencing the Blues Brothers. Okay. Um, but yeah, no, I just feel like there's so many um, great comedic moments. The uh, Ray Charles stuff where he uh, shoots at the kid trying to steal the guitar yeah. that uh, and then hangs the Blues Brothers sign upside down because, of course, you know, Ray Charles is blind. Yes. So, which uh, so many other movies, the only one I can think of is like some random, uh, I say so many other, I have one example and I can't remember the name of it. It was some like... Uh, stuntman movie where Ray Charles was the tour bus driver and he's yeah. like just giving directions on how to turn mm-hmm. and how much further they had to go. Mm-hmm. Poor Ray Charles. Do you think he was ever just like, you guys, I, we get it. I can't see. Like Either that or he's just like going up. He's like, hey, I'm tired of people talking about my music. I want to do some comedy. Like, put me Does in your it, movie. Hasn't anyone noticed I'm blind? <laughs> you guys. Uh, but yeah, I feel like there's, there's a lot of classical, uh, classic comedic moments from like the mall and even to the chase depending on the ending chase depending on your personal taste Mm -hmm. that warrant viewing if you're trying to kind of take in the these you know these classic kind of comedic movies okay all right i i feel like you guys have convinced me to like this movie in a way that you previously have not convinced me right. to like other movies. <laughs> I also feel like um, some of the, and, and then you may, um, some people who haven't seen it before may not realize if, if some things feel familiar or not as surprising or fresh, it's because a lot of these kind of things actually came from this movie, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think you might have hit the nail right on the head. Like, to to me... There was surprise moments. There were definitely some some really nice surprises that I found really fun. But a lot of it did feel like, yeah, I've seen this before. Mm-hmm. And I guess 
this is where everybody saw it. And then they just started doing it in all of their movies. Well, just like the all the unfazingness of Carrie Fisher's attacks, too. Yeah. Like when the building blows up around them, they get oh, up yeah. like, oh, we got to go to work. Yeah. Uh, or like the... So deadpan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or the, the phone booth when it goes up in there. Oh, there's got to be at least $7 and change in here as they're laying around a yeah, yeah. thing of fire. So. I think that was uh, probably my favorite part of everything. Yeah, so if you had to give this... A, Anything else that you want to say before we jump into the end game? Is there anything you want to tell us about this movie that we don't already Blues know? Blues Brothers end game? Blues Brothers dot dot end game. <laughs> they all come back. Everybody comes back. Ray oh, Charles well, comes back. Oh, Carrie, oh. Carrie Fisher comes back. I, te- I teared back. up when Aretha Franklin started singing. I'm like, oh, because this is the first time I've watched it since she died. Yes. Yeah. Um, she's so good. She's so good, but she's so bad at lip syncing. Yeah. Like, you can tell that she's, that's not who she is, you know? And I, I guess I did read, uh, I read a lot of the IMDb trivia and like other trivia that like they, she had the hardest time. Mm-hmm. Well, she had the second hardest time. Uh, uh, James Brown just couldn't he do just, it. Yeah, and he just performed live. He just performed. Uh, but they kept, like, they had to, like, really splice together Aretha Franklin's performance to try and get it to look like she was lip syncing. Mm-hmm. They did the best they could. Oh, that I didn't like that part either where he, like, throws the towel at her. It's like, I didn't like that guy after that. We don't know the dynamics of their relationship. But, yeah, that's true. <laughs> I mean, I, she sang that whole song about it. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I hear you. I like Aretha Franklin. Uh, all the music was fun. Boy, there's a lot of it. Would you say there's more music than in This Is Spinal Tap? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, not only just for the musical numbers, but then everything in between had, you know, crazy music going on the entire time. Mm-hmm. The Peter Gunn theme that they're walking to the beat of. Oh, it's... yeah. From Spy Hunter. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. yeah the, the, I think this the, is the only movie that has two other movies' theme songs as pre- like prominent tracks within their soundtrack, though. What's the other one? Uh, the Rawhide. Theme from Rawhide. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah, this, this movie is so much, you know, the comedy aside, it's, it, this movie is a huge love letter to not only rhythm and blues music, but just Chicago. Like, it's, it's throughout the movie that they're, they touch and retouch back on, like, Chicago and landmarks and, like, you know, things that just feel like it's it's part of their DNA. Mm-hmm. And I can sort of see... So, like, obviously John Landis went on to do, like, basically everything after this, right? Lots and lots and yeah, lots of like really, his, really good his stuff. Yeah, like, his big hit afterwards was um, An American Werewolf in London. And then after that, we've done a couple of his other movies. Yeah. Shall I look at his IMDb real Three quick? Amigos. Not Three Amigos, quite yeah. considered a, a hit. And, um... If there's one thing I want to do is dissuade people from seeing Blue, Blues Brothers 2000. Right. I have never seen that film. I wish to dissuade you. I will. I honestly will never see that film. It actually does not exist. There's no need to look it up. So, yes. So that's what I was going to say is, like, I feel like the experience of this movie is probably something that um, Dan Aykroyd has spent the entire rest of his life trying to recapture. Yeah. And so that and that's the problem with the blues brothers 2000 is that it's kind of a remake yeah and and like there's nobody around anymore to tell it's a sequel but they kind of do the same stuff no you know it's like hey you're not making good choices let somebody else be in charge of this that happens you know that happens a lot when somebody makes something really good and then they're like well clearly this person knows what they're doing let's just let them have free reign and then they sort of ruin things without that like 
hand to hold them back. Yeah, yeah. It, it was, uh, I think the original like script or whatever uh, for Blues Brothers was something like a five-hour version of yes. the movie. Mm-hmm. It was so, like hundreds of pages, right. yeah. And then John Landis, who I feel like really has... You know the the feel of this movie has is the same feel as his kind of like later movies, you know, or even like, yeah, and and, and so really kind of choosing those moments and then telling it in a very specific comedic voice. Mm-hmm. The, I, I feel like that's the part I'm most responding to. Right. Uh, so John Landis did Animal House, Blues Brothers, American Werewolf in London, Trading Places. Uh, Twilight Zone, the movie, Michael Jackson's Thriller. Coming to America. Three Amigos. Like, some big stuff. A movie that I love that I don't know if other people love called Oscar that has Sylvester Stallone and Tim Curry. Nope. (laughs) Beverly Hills Cop 3. (laughs) Um, And then Blues Brothers 2000. And then... And no need to continue. Nope. Yeah. So, like, you know, I could see you always being like, well, trying to recapture the... And probably the amount of fun that he had with his friend, Mm -hmm. you know... Uh, is was it this movie? I think that Dan Aykroyd always tells the story of like, like John Belushi would just wander away, and they'd be like, I they would find him at like people's homes. Yeah, he was America's house guest. I yeah. think is what the term he used for him was. <laughs> mm-hmm. I uh, think it was on every movie that John Belushi. Probably, did. probably. And uh, but I did the one thing that I read in the trivia that I thought was interesting was that uh, like Carrie Fisher and Dan Aykroyd got engaged during That's this movie. Crazy. He saved her from choking. Right. And they got engaged. Oh, yeah, I know, right? Ooh, that's gonna be my move <laughs> from now on. <laughs> encourage women to choke and then save them. Uh, it's a complicated plan, but no more complicated than online dating. So, like, that's how women will know from now on that you like mm-hmm. them is you just try and give them bigger and bigger bites of steak. I wish to choke you. <laughs> um, so, on a scale of one crashed police car to a hundred and thirty crashed police cars <laughs> um, or one to ten, one, one to ten. Uh, what is your how would you rate this movie Derek I'm not going to say ten okay because tens don't exist oh we disagree <laughs> I will tell you right now uh, I would say the first the first two hours of this film is a solid 9.5 for me uh, the film overall is like a 9.2 because that last 30 minutes just draws down the average of the rest of the class so mm. I love okay. this one. Nine point two. That's that's fair. On a scale of ten, not the hundred and thirty. By the way, right? I don't really hate this film. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Nathan? So, I, also, I'm going to preface with I liked the ending. I like I. You like the car? Right. So I, I am an ending defender. Oh. Of the car crashes. Yeah. No. Especially as a kid. Hmm. Um. So I'm going to give the movie eight point five. Eight point five. Yeah. It's certainly biased by my past with the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, end of sentence. Okay. I think I'll give it, I probably, I walked into this room thinking I was going to give it a five and just be like, I had a nice time having lunch with Derek and it was, you know, an entertaining movie. Um, but I think I'll bump it up after this conversation too. I'll give it a seven because I can definitely see like you have a warm feeling watching it. Uh, it's cozy Mm -hmm. as a movie. Yeah, I I feel like there's so much thrown at you that. It's also full of surprises, you know. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And it's but you're right; it does become overwhelming. (laughs) So uh, the best description of this movie um, was by Roger Ebert, who called this the Sherman tank of musicals. (laughs) (laughs) It definitely is that. It is. 
This is actually the movie I use uh, if anyone tells me that they definitively hate musicals. I run into so many, like, bro-y Who dudes. Who are you hanging out with? Um, <laughs> look, bro. A lot of people are like, I hate musicals. I'm like, oh, have you seen oh. the Blues Brothers? Oh, Blues Brothers is fantastic. You watched a musical, son. <laughs> like, it really, right. They're like, wow. it's not a musical. Uh, I'm like, think about it for a second. So I've been going through, like, the AFI to, like, top 100 movies. Okay. And all I've got left are the musicals. Oh, <laughs> I love a good musical. I do. Although, I think there's sort of two categories of musicals, right? There's the one where the music tells the story and one where the music just exists. Right. right? And I tend yeah. to like the ones less where the music just exists. Although, like, maybe not, because that is the same thing that happens in This Is Spinal Tap, right? Yeah, yeah. There, there's basically the characters who are expressing their, it, it, you know, their inner desires, almost like a monologue. Exactly. And then there's the ones where there's performances. Yeah. It's like, this is a music performance, and not all of a sudden, we're going to dance in the streets right. and have a dance fight. No, the only... Cool. The only song that was in this that the the music was there to tell the story was going to be Aretha Franklin's. So all mm-hmm. the rest of them were just mm-hmm. was just set pieces. A song happening, yeah, yeah. So I'll give it a seven. I I probably won't try to watch it again, but if someone invites me to another beer brunch and this is the movie that's playing, I will attend. I'll tell you what. I will get you the VHS copy ripped from the USA Network (laughs) that is cut for time and uh, scaled down to fit your TV format, uh, which may cut out a lot of the stuff that you didn't like and bring the time frame down to a solid hour 50. uh, And you might just enjoy it even more. I'm willing to bet that I would like that version. (laughs) And and like if there's like a five hour version of this movie that exists somewhere, like I'm sure people like that too. But give me the soundtrack to that one. The full Dan Aykroyd. Yes, the Dan Aykroyd cut, where it's like, oh, but we got to use this entire take because look how cute John Belushi is. It's like, okay, yeah, we. He is adorable. Um, What would be your deep cut recommendation? All right. Uh, If you love musicals and you love seeing a whole bunch of people on drugs, then may I suggest 1974's Jesus Christ Superstar. Not only is it a musical, but it's also a story about uh, a mission from God. Okay, yeah, that is a deep cut, and it is a nice connected recommendation. Um, is there a movie version? There is. It stars. Uh, oh man, oh I, Ted Ted Neely, Ted Neely, and uh, Carl Anderson. Ted Neely, uh, outside of Jesus Christ Superstar, was an extra in the film uh, Django Unchained. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. All right. I met him <laughs> at, <laughs> at, at a showing of Jesus Christ Superstar. Oh, wow. Um, Nathan? So my deep cut recommendation um, is similar in terms of like, uh, and I may have recommended it before. I don't know. I don't keep track of these things. I think I'm going to recommend something that right. I probably recommend <laughs> So in terms of like being comedic, but also like starting off in a place and then ramping up, ramping up until the end just goes insane and mm-hmm. um it's one of my favorite movies hot fuzz <gasps> i love hot fuzz yeah. simon Pegg, edgar wright nick frost hot fuzz their second movie after Shaun of the dead that's right and you know the first time i saw hot fuzz i wasn't nuts about it i oh, was yeah, kind me too. of disappointed because it is really long and like 
the escalations do take a really long time. But then it f- just flies off the handle. It goes bananas. Yeah. And, and the it, second and it, time I watched it, I I was like, what was I thinking? I yeah, love no, this. 100%. Like, that, that, that's exactly how I felt a lot. In the same way with, like, Big Lebowski. It's like, he doesn't do anything. Mm-hmm. I don't get it. <laughs> and, then, and then, like, the second time, third time or whatever, it's like, this is amazing. I get it now. Yeah, that's spot on. Really good. You've both done very well. <laughs> Thank you. Now, time to judge you. I couldn't think of anything really good uh, to... What about the Muppet movies? I mean, I think, I think yeah, I'm going to recommend the fucking Muppet movie. Like, that's, they're getting the band together. They're, they're going on a road trip. Um, they get kind of like the Deus Ex, like you know, here's standard rich and famous contract, mm-hmm. you know. Yes. Like, oh, hey, we solved our problem. I think that's probably what happens in the Blues Brothers. It's exactly what happens in the Blues Brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the Muppet movie, the original Muppet movie, may have come out before the Blues Brothers. It would have. It yes. was out in the seventies, right? Yes. Uh, the Jason Siegel version, uh, which they travel by map, so you have no idea how many cop cars <laughs> get destroyed during that travel by map. But, That's true. Uh, the, but yeah, the Muppet movie is 1979, so the Blues Brothers is just a remake of the Muppet movie. Well, they're probably shooting the Blues Brothers when that came out, and then they go, like, fuck! <laughs> <laughs> it's a different audience. It'll be fine. But this uh, sort of... A lot of the movies we've covered are like... You know, it's like this is a strange, weird, insane movie, and it actually did really well. Mm-hmm. It was like number ten at the box office that year. I have it right here. Also, is this the first time we've gone back to 1980 since we did Airplane? Jeez. I don't think we've gone this far back in quite a while. So yes, the Blues Brothers came in eleventh overall in 1980. Um, number ten, if you count inflation. I think that makes sense. <laughs> you were very close. Uh, oh, we uh, Friday the 13th, which is our big pine comedy festival movie, ah. came in 10th. So uh, that's fun. And then Airplane was number five. We did Airplane. Uh, Star Wars uh, Episode Five: The Empire Strikes Back is number one. And 9 to 5 is number two. Wow. So I, the other thing I was going to recommend is just like go to a movie party at Alamo Drafthouse. Because yeah. they're so fun. They are. They're yeah. so fun. And especially when they pair, they, when they create a custom cocktail or they pair the food in this really thoughtful, fun way where it's referencing the movie. I just, that to me is the best time. Like, mm-hmm. let's go see a movie. Yeah. And, and then there's also other people in town that, that put off. I don't know if Film Bar does any events like that, but I know that like Cult Classics does events like that yes. too. And Cult Classics is actually now. Um, at Alamo Drafthouse. Okay. They do a Terror Tuesdays screening and stuff. I don't know if they still do the big ones that they did at, at uh, Pollock Tempe Cinema uh, here locally in Arizona. Um, but yeah, find someplace cool in your town that will just throw a party about a movie and pair it with some fun drinks and food yeah. because that's the best way to celebrate old movies, yeah. in my opinion. We, we, did like, we did something like that with Conan the Barbarian. We did! At Film Bar! Yeah. Uh, and they gave us inflatable swords, and at the end I took yours to give to my children. Uh, and they had a big old camel... She is currently miming a camel. Uh, a pinata. There we go. It was a camel, camel. pinata uh, that people got to hit, and so that was really fun. So... Yeah, I just think that's a fun thing to do, and I had a great time hanging out with you. Oh, and I, we should say, I did have that extra beer. Oh, my goodness. Because our Lyft driver. 
As we were traveling to Alamo Drafthouse, as we were talking about many of Chrissy's podcast adventures, we brought up the Keanu Reeves one, uh, which, uh, check out, whoa, the most excellent Keanu Reeves podcast. Uh, and so when the guy found out, he said, holy shit, no way. Do you want a beer? <laughs> I, mean, and, I didn't know what to do, but I am an improviser by trade, so I'm more inclined to say yes to things. <laughs> so... He gave me a terrible Bud Light from Coors a Coors Light. Yeah, oh, it was Coors it was Light, a Coors Light. Light from the front seat of his car and passed it back to us. And I was like, "This is illegal. Would he get arrested, or would I get arrested in this scenario?" Yeah. I'm not sure. It's a it's a legal gray area. Let's ask one of the 130 cops that were crashed in the Illinois Blues Listeners, Brothers. Please experience. write in if you've got the answer. Let us know. And then, like, I couldn't finish it because it's only like a 10 minute car ride, and I couldn't finish it, so Derek drank it. Yeah, yeah. You made me complicit in your crimes, Chrissy. I, did. I said no. I listened to Dare. <laughs> But yeah, that happened on the way to the movie. We're not going to say who the driver is. We're not snitches, Lyft. No. I'm sure that's how he gets five-star ratings. Because, like, okay, I, let's, his logic is sound. Because if you're taking a Lyft, you either don't have a car or you're going to drink, right? So offering people beer is a, such a foolproof way to get that five-star rating. <laughs> don't you think? Don't yeah. do it, Lyft drivers. Yeah, uh, um, I, 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 I almost four-starred the guy. I'm not going to lie. That's super illegal. <laughs> it was very illegal. Um, okay. So almost. <laughs> I've never four-starred a single driver. All my drivers, I five-star even if I hate the ride. I think, I think you sort of have to or they are, like, punished. Okay, so coming up next. <laughs> Thanks for staying with us. Um, uh, we have, I think, a movie that pairs pretty well with this one. We're doing Naked Gun. When does when does um, Friday the Thirteenth come out? Well, we're recording it at Big Pine Comedy Festival on Sunday, September twenty second. So if you're in the Flagstaff area, come see us. Uh, we're doing uh, Friday the Thirteenth, and uh, Mary Upchurch is a stand up comedian. She's going to be our guest. Um, so that will come out the Tuesday after. So between that and this. There will be uh, with actually the sketch and improv coordinator of Big Pine Comedy Festival, stand-up comedian Buck Newman, who is our guest for The Naked Gun. That's what's next. Uh, Derek, can people follow or find your comedic talents and skills anywhere in particular? Yes. So if you would like to follow me on Instagram, my handle is Derek.Tesson because I didn't realize I was making my username. Uh, <laughs> uh, you could find me doing various escape rooms throughout the uh, the Mesa area, and uh, I'm traveling to Los Angeles very mm-hmm. soon in order to uh, tour more escape rooms. So uh, feel free to just join in on any of those because all I do is entertain the camera operators. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Uh, and Nathan. Yes, uh, you can find me at uh, squishystudios.com for our short films, our web series. Um, I'm starting a. I'm starting back a Squishy Studios blog. Yes. So if you want to uh, check that out and see what we're up to, it's it's mainly like filmmaking thoughts and advice, and then hopefully stuff that can benefit filmmakers. But uh, yeah, squishystudios.com. Excellent. Uh, of course, you can find me at nctphoenix.com or nctphoenix, the place, the comedy theater on Fridays and Saturday nights if you're in the greater Phoenix area. Uh, thank you for listening. Please, for God's sake, like us, rate us, review us, give us those five stars, the five seconds it takes you 
is five. It takes more like 12 seconds. 12 seconds. Take those 12 seconds. Give us those five stars. Uh, not unlike your Lyft driver, we need it. Um, and thank you. I already said thank you for listening. Thank you again for listening. Oh, you're so kind. Yeah. And just oh. remember uh, the most excellent 80s movies podcast logo, which is to be excellent to each other. And party, party on, dudes. dudes. Yay. Yay. And don't.